Hi, this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea the Ona Tehillim and Other Hebrew Text Podcast, episode 134. The following is the recitation of Psalm 122, aka Perek or Mizmor Kuf Chaf Bet. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. Psalm 122, Shir le David Samachti Beomrim Li Beit Adonai Nelech Omdot Hayu Raglenu Ish Arayech Yerushalayim Yerushalayim Habnuya Kiir Shechubra La Yachdav Shasham Alu Shivatim Shivte Ya Edut Le Yisrael Lehodot Shame Adonai Ki Shama Yashvu His Oat Lemishpat Kis Oat Levate David Shaalu Shalom Yeru Shalayim Yishlayu o Havayich Yehi Shalom Bechelech Shalva Bear Menotayech Lemaan Achai Bereai Adabra Na Shalom Bach Lemaan Beit Adonai Eloheinu Avaksha Tov Lach Psalm 122, apparently I have a lot to say on, so bear with me, is the first positive sounding mizmor in the Sheer Hamalot series. The psalm theme is recounting the scene of when someone is happily going up to unify with others, most likely during one of the three annual festivals, to bring their Bikurim to the house of Hashem in Yerushalayim, giving a prayer for the city's peace. Whether or not this is being recounted as an event that already happened in the past, or it's an ideal dream that David HaMelech, who never got to witness himself, is yearning for, to happen in the future. It's not clear which one. If we go with the first approach that this is something that already happened, then understanding the deeper meaning to some of the pasukim helped me to appreciate how lucky we are to have them come to fruition still in our day. Rabbi Philip Moskowitz helped me better understand the commentaries on Pasuk 2 with this goal in mind. Omdos hayu raglenu visharayach Yerushalayim. Our feet stood inside your gates, O Jerusalem. 
Omdo Tayuraglenu, according to the Radak, is talking about those who made Aliyah first were standing at the gates and waiting for the rest of us to join them. So the first ones are preparing and waiting to help others make Aliyah, as though we are living in an age where this Pasuk has been fulfilled, according to Radak. Then there is the Hasidish approach, Omdim, that you have to stand still sometimes to smell the roses, so to speak, and appreciate what is around you. I love when my daughters literally stop and smell the roses that we pass to appreciate and take in and cherish that which is in our midst, that we have that privilege to have the ability to live in our own homeland. Then even Ezra explains that there were so many throngs of people coming to complete their pilgrimage for the three annual festivals, the Shalosh Regalim, that there was standing room only, so much traffic with every type of Jew coming together with the same goal of getting in to be closer to Hashem in his home. So you can appreciate now maybe the traffic going into Yerushalayim. I don't know if that helps you to think of this Pasuk being fulfilled when you're sitting in all that. Then Rashi says that in a time of war, what gives us the ability to succeed and overcome our enemies is that those learning Bisharayach Yerushalayim within the gates of Yerushalayim are sitting and learning Torah. Yes, physical protection is a blessing. The fact that we are blessed in our day to have an, an entity like the IDF to protect us in a way we have never had in the past is a, a blessing. But in addition to that, we must also we also need to remember the importance of spiritual protection and connecting to the one who is actually providing that protection and not assuming that it's all in all it's all in our hands. Finally, the Mitzudat David points out that standing refers to when people enter and simply are in awe and amazement from the majestic and extraordinary experience of coming into Yerushalayim, where you feel home and an unexplainable oneness despite so many different people around you. I personally love that feeling when I have the privilege of, of visiting. So yes, I can feel how blessed we are to see the fulfillment of this psalm today, even without the Holy Temple. So let's try to better understand the other approach that David saw this as a premonition or hope for the future. If you recall in Psalm 120, David was ruminating over the frustration of living amongst people that when he aimed to speak of peace, it would only cause further conflict, and their beliefs and values were not aligned with the goal of bringing Hashem's goal of peace into the world. But here, in the first Pasuk, it says, Samachti be'omrim li beit Adonai nelech. I rejoiced when they said to me, we are going to the house of Hashem. The word samachti comes from the word simcha, happiness, which seems to usually be connected to lifnei Hashem elokecha, the joy of serving God. From my understanding, simcha shows up about 16 times in the Torah, 13 of which are associated with the words lifnei Hashem elokecha. So in David's happy place, he imagines people happily going in throngs 
with the unified goal of coming together and serving Hashem in peace. And not only that, but in Pusik 8, what is David finally able to say without retaliation? Leman adabrana shalom bach. Because of the sake of my brothers and friends, I can now speak peace. Usually the idea here is understood that we pray for not just peace for ourselves, but peace for everyone, and we are all affected by one another. We're all responsible for each other. But understanding that in Psalm 120, Pasuk 7, David said, where, where he felt like he was for peace, but it just came out as conflict, like I mentioned, because of who was surrounding him. But now in this imaginary ideal future, he sees that he can speak of peace and Hashem's ways, and he is amongst those who will receive it lovingly. As the Pasuk says, because it's for the sake of the house of God that I seek your good. Along these lines of everyone being unified in this vision, there is the mention of the judicial system in this psalm. There is an understanding that Israel is the heart and the home of where Hashem resides. And one of the cornerstones for that home to be successful is tzedek and mishpat, justice with the Sanhedrin, aka the Jewish judicial system, has an aim to assist with unifying everyone. How remarkable to have this ideal vision where it's possible for everyone to unite. I can think of a few examples of how I am not feeling that unification today, which I'll go into in a minute. I was having a side discussion in a Facebook group with someone who was arguing that modern texts are better than the Rishonim because they have so much more breadth of knowledge nowadays. My counterpoint was that while I think that anything that helps you connect with and understand the text on a deeper level is amazing, I don't think it takes away from the depth and insight received from the Rishonim and Achronim, the commentators closer to the source. While learning Tehillim, for example, as, as a focused depth, text in depth, I love seeing all the different opinions, including the modern sources. They all come from completely different perspectives. I couldn't say one is better than the other, rather that they all enhance each other if you enable them to and weave a beautiful tapestry of the possibilities that come from the text, helping me to therefore arrive at what I can actually take away and glean from to apply it to my life. Shutting out or dismissing any of them causes you to miss an incredible amount of richness. There is a saying, Shivim Panim La Torah, there are 70 views to one verse in the Torah, and that is how many members of the Sanhedrin we had, 70. This is an incredible feat that 70 very different points of view were able to miraculously come to a verdict that was regarded as truly fair and justified for every court case that came their way. Since the whole goal of Hashem is to create, as Pasuk 3 says, Ki'ir shechubra lo, la yachtav, a city knit together where everyone is living in peace and harmony together. The Malbim's explanation gives a meaningful image of how this can be accomplished. Malbim on the phrase in Pasuk 6 says, 
Shalu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the well-being of Yerushalayim. He says that your overall well-being is dependent on how your body parts feel. If there's something wrong with your organ, like your heart hurts, you wouldn't say, oh, but that's just my heart. No, the rest of you is also not feeling well. So too with peace in Yerushalayim. Peace depends on whether or not you and I have peace amongst each other. Yeshalyu ohavayich. If the ones who love you are asking for it, if those who love Yerushalayim have peace amongst them, then there will be peace. If we are judging each other and if there is infighting, etc., then we won't find peace in Yerushalayim. Currently, we don't even have a government in place after how many voting attempts. Currently, there are small communities that I know of where Those who have grown more in their Torah observance can no longer live in a place that doesn't have current further growth opportunities and that accommodates where they might have even started from in their observance level. And then the people who are at an observance level where uh, those other people might have started from can't understand or approve of the other's actions to want to move away and grow in a different direction. A microcosm of what's happening everywhere, unfortunately, that doesn't have a big enough group of people like themselves, quote-unquote. My mom just told me also that she found an online group talking about her own community in Israel, not wanting to have any religiously observant people living amongst them. Too much of a hassle, I guess. Or whatever it was. All these examples highlight the subtle but not benign intolerances that we have, we have within our own spheres. Psalm 117, the shortest psalm in the book of Tehillim, helped us understand how the whole world has a part of this peace that we strive for. But it starts with me and you, getting past judgmentalism, bickering over super, superficial things, and infighting. And the more we realize we are united, the more we realize that we are part of the same body with the same goals, the more we feel it in our own lives, then it will translate to the unification of Yerushalayim. If you want peace in Yerushalayim, first you have to have peace in your home and community. And the longer we judge each other based on the kippah we wear, etc., the longer it will take for us to have peace in our day. This week starts the three weeks where internal strife and conflict over baseless hatred caused the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Our opinions about each other, they don't feel baseless. But if we take a step back, and as Rabbi Jonathan Sachs recommends in his Seven Principles of Maintaining Jewish Peoplehood, keep talking to each other, but also listen to what your opponent is saying and labor to understand the point of view with which you disagree, while never seeking victory for yourself or defeat for your opponent, and instead respecting your opponent in a way they will naturally want to mirror that respect in a way that conveys that we don't need to agree, we just need to care about each other. Because anti-Semites, for example, don't distinguish between one Jew and another, So we at least have to make sure that we remember 
that we are unified with a common history and covenant and aim to work together as best as we can. Then maybe we can see that often the base of our baseless hatred is personal preference. And there actually is a way that our different perspectives and opinions have the ability to enhance each other's lives. It doesn't matter whose opinion or preference is better, as long as the goal and intentions are healthy. What matters is figuring out a way to carry everything out together in a unified way, even when we don't agree. The Sanhedrin ultimately took a majority rule vote and went with that opinion for all of Israel, defined as halacha, aka Jewish codified law, even if personally they might have held a different opinion. Rav Hirsch says, don't confuse being at peace with being complacent. Shaking something up and having a new reality could be the most peaceful thing because it restores Hashem and wholeness, Shlimut, to our lives in a way that makes us one with what we could be. If we learn that incorporating other viewpoints for the sake of optimistic growth can actually help us come together to create a beautifully knitted tapestry, maybe we can start with baby steps and be on our way to reaching the ideal redemption that we hope for. May we have the ability to see and alleviate the biases we hold against each other and recognize our shared goal of living peacefully amongst each other to propel us to more easily incorporate or be more tolerant of each other's opinions in our lives. May we be able to keep a healthy dialogue going amongst us and labor to understand each other's point of view without feeling the need to be right and the other wrong, but rather accepting differences respectfully. The learning and recitation for this week's podcast is for the merit that we achieve peace between us in our day.